Hi, welcome to Moves That Matter. I'm your host, Dr. Clyde Posley Jr., and I am excited to have you back with us on our Tuesday night at 7.30 broadcast. Listen, you guys are making this broadcast a fast-growing, popular place for people to go get a powerful broadcast and podcast. I thank you. I thank you for your viewership. I thank you that they're rising every week. Thank you for those people who are watching in Basel and people who are watching in Switzerland and uh, other places. I'm getting uh, uh, text messages and, and just... Thank you. I appreciate what you're doing. Listen, we have an exciting show today. I have a guest on today. I want to introduce him a little bit later. But uh, he is a young, brilliant mind. He's a young African-American brother with a brilliant mind. It has a very innovative spirit, and he has put pen to paper and practices to his principles to cause uh, us to uh, be uh, privy to one of the most innovative schools in, in the greater Indianapolis area. We'll, I'll introduce him a little bit later. I want to talk to you just a bit about my book, More Than Icons and Images, Uncovering the Hidden Protest Narrative of the Black American Athlete in the 21st Century. That's going to come into play as you get into our uh, topic a little bit later. I also want to talk uh, just a bit about uh, the importance of voting. I need you all to understand it is crucial that you not only get yourselves registered to vote, but that you actually formulate groups that help help us help each other get out the vote to vote. When you look at some of the outright open immoral behavior of Donald J. Trump, you cannot deny that that is not optimum leadership. That is not the type of moral character that needs to be uh, at the helm of such a great, potentially powerful and awesome America. Uh, just recently, uh, Donald Trump's uh, now supposed personal counsel, the attorney general, William Barr, has declared that he is going to be in charge of all cases affecting Donald Trump. That means the man that's supposed to be the general counsel for America has decided not to do that, but to just be counsel for Donald J. Trump, who is who's an admitted liar and admitted a proven liar. Even some of the senators who voted not to impeach him and have him removed from office just last week admitted that he did do wrong and what he's it was not what what he did should not have happened. And, and this quid pro quo was wrong. But we're going to keep him in office anyway. I brought that up to bring this principle to mind as I prepare to go into our next segment. One of the worst things we can do when we are rec- we recognize evil in a situation is to assume that the evil is coming only from the one we see doing it. Donald Trump is not the most evil. It's those who support him and bring it and empower his ability to act evil that are the most culpable. Julius Caesar wasn't the most evil. It was the evil Senate of Rome that helped him be evil. Nero was not only evil himself, but it was the evil, uh, evil uh, uh, co-conspirators that bring it to pass. If you check Mussolini, Hitler's and Hitler and others, it's always the evil supporting cast that empower evil to carry out its evil desires. We'll talk a bit of more, a bit more about that a little bit later. I'll be right back with you in just a second, and you're gonna love our discussion about African American young men. Be right back. back and welcome again to Moves That Matter. 
I want to read a passage of scripture to you to help me get into my introduction of why this show is so important. In the book of Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17, we find these words recorded. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he had come nigh close to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city were with her. And when the Lord saw her, when Jesus saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, weep not. And it came, he came and touched the barrier or the coffin uh, that they used to carry the young man. And, the, and they who were carrying it stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto you, rise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all. And they glorify God saying that a prophet is risen up among us. The God that God had visited his people. And this rumor went forth throughout all of Judea and throughout the region round about. We have a passage of scripture here where Jesus intentionally goes into a, re a Gentile region called Nain. And he sees, he recognizes the death of of a young man and the funeral procession is taking place. He sees the condition that the impact of the young man's death is having on his mother and the city. And so what Jesus does is stick his hand into the dead situation and resulting in the boy being raised, the mother being encouraged and the crowd being put at ease about the power that God can display when he intervenes and in when we let him intervene in our situation. Our, our show today is a, is a conversation about our African-American young boys and young men. I have a guest with me today who's going to discuss that with me. He's doing research on it as a Ph.D. candidate. He is close to defending his uh, dissertation, but he is overall he's a brilliant young man. He is the founder of a charter school here in our city. And I'm telling you, I know a little bit about recognizing a scholar and recognizing a gifted and talented mind. And we have one with us here today. I want to welcome to to our viewers, Mr. Shaquan Eli, founder of Elder D's Academy here in our city. Welcome. Thank you, Dr. Posley. It is an honor and a privilege to be here today. I am so inspired by your work uh, through Moves That Matter. It's one of my, my favorite uh, podcasts and broadcasts, as well as your advocacy in the community mm -hmm. and your ministries. Uh, our community needs it, and so it's an honor for me to be here today. Well, thank you so much. You, you, you spoke about what I'm, what I'm doing. A lot of what I'm doing, I'm able to do uh, in collaboration with you. And, uh, and I, I, I want to give kudos to you. I, I don't know a, a, a more uh, innovative mind and in this 21st uh, century, a mind that is more open to hearing God speak in innovative ways today. Uh, one of my uh, professors from Bible college years ago, uh, he's going to be with the Lord. His name is uh, Dr. Uh, Stacy R. Shields. He used to pastor the Pilgrim Baptist Church, and he used to say, methods are many, principles are few. Methods have to change, although principles never do. And you are an example of, of the evolution of methods at carrying out tested principles. And so kudos to you about that and what you're doing. Come talk to us, Mr. Eli, about um, uh, what, what, what you've done with the Elder Diggs Academy 
and uh, who who Elder Diggs uh, was, who he is, who he was, and uh, what you are trying to accomplish. So talk to us about what you're doing, who Elder Diggs uh, is, and what you're trying to accomplish by, by founding the school. Sure. So I am the founder of Ignite Achievement Academy at the historic Elder Diggs School. I'm honored to have the platform to kind of talk about Elder Diggs because Elder Diggs is absolutely unequivocally black history in, in, in Indiana and throughout the world, really. And Elder Diggs was the first black principal in Indiana in 1908. He was the first. The first black principal. Yes, sir. All right. In, in Indiana, 1908, and then became the first African-American to graduate from Indiana University School of Education. This was in 1916. Mm-hmm. He is also one of the primary founders of the illustrious Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, <laughs> of which I am a, an honored member. And um, he served the Diggs community where our school is right off of near 25th and Martin Luther King mm-hmm. Street. He served there for near, nearly 30 years. Mm-hmm. And so uh, his legacy continues in in myself and others who carry that torch. How are you carrying out his legacy at Ignite Achievement Academy? Great question. So one of the ways that we're doing that is through restoring that school and that community back to prominence. And so we've created a very unique and I believe state of the the industry process and, and program there where we have academic acceleration mm-hmm. and uh, habits of success, community investment, and it's just a very unique approach mm-hmm. to education that um, I have not seen uh, quite yet. And so my research is all designed to inspire the community and to create opportunities for children to have a private-like experience in a public school. What, what role does uh, history, the history of uh, African Americans, I know, uh, uh, play in uh, your academic approach at Elder Diggs? So, if we are going to truly inspire our community and mm-hmm. our youth, black people and black males in particular, Mm -hmm. we have to look at the historical component. Mm -hmm. And my research is looking at that. So it's taking into account the very unique history of African-Americans, particularly and specifically African-American males, Mm -hmm. that unique history. Because if you look at history, I don't know that there is another group that has been um, that has gone through what we have gone through historically. Mm-hmm. And so we have to look at that. And once we do, we can understand more about the way to go and how to go. So it's looking at the historical component. Mm-hmm. It's also taking into account how that historical component has impacted the family and the mm-hmm. family structure, which obviously it dictates and impacts our behavior. Mm-hmm. But then what does the epigenetic component say to that? So epigenetics is just how our environment inspires and impacts the way that we say that again. epigenetics is which which is your uh, phd focus is what again epigenetics simply means above the gene so we all have a genetic component we get that from our parents and uh the genetic determinism which was once a a theory or a thought from way back in the 50s watson and crick Mm -hmm. when they discovered the genome we thought that genetic determinism was a thing that our genes control life, uh-huh. but now we know that it is not the case, right. and it is the environment that we are in That's right. that really dictates how our genes are expressed 
Right. And that having genes does not negate the fact that there are external influences that affect how we practice what's in us. Precisely. Right. Precisely. Right. That is true. You know, uh, I was being introduced at a book sale uh, not long ago, uh, 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 Mr. Eli, and um, a young lady who was introducing my book and introducing me says, "Now, I know that uh, uh, Pastor Posley, Doctor Posley." Um, is also also has a PhD and he's also is but but I, I can't I can't understand why he wrote a book about uh, more than icons and images on cutting the hidden protest narrative of a black American uh, athlete and, and I almost slid down in my seat that a person would say that out loud but but it but what it spoke to was how many people don't understand that that it, theology expressed is to meet the needs of all people. And, and and relative to African-American young men, which is what we're going to talk about in just a few moments, that's the reason why we need your research. That's the reason why I wrote this book, because if we uh, allow the genocide to uh, affect our African and young, uh, young men the way it continues, unchecked, unexposed, then they're just relegated to thugs and punks and dope dealers and all these old things that, that many people just assume, as Gabron, uh, G- uh, Muhammad said in his book, The Criminalization of Blackness. There are a lot of people who just don't understand and others are flat out trying to do it, but they don't understand the danger and destruction of destroying a whole generation's young men. We've got to stop that. And so that's what our show is about today. Our show is about, is a conversation about African-American young men and the state of the African-American young man today academically, educationally, uh, so, uh, socially, socioeconomically, and otherwise. And so we're going to get into that conversation today. Talk to us a bit, uh, 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 Mr. Eli, about uh, what well, – let me do this. Why don't you de- you decide – Dispel a few myths, two or three myths that are common about African-American males that your research has proven to be not the case. One of the biggest myths that we see, um, particularly I see as a head of school and have being in, in and out of schools mm-hmm. is this idea that black boys are aggressive or that black mm-hmm. boys by nature, by nature right. are bad or violent. And this is just not right. not the case. A bunch of research that proves that's a lie. Yes, sir. And yeah. so, again, we are talking about a historical element mm-hmm. that that dictates behavior and plays into behavior, and as well the environment that is created mm-hmm. that plays into that. And so, what what I have seen is that through cultural incompetence, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, uh, when mm-hmm. you have a culture that or an industry, we're looking at the education industry that is mostly white women, middle-class white women, and middle-aged white women who are tasked with leading uh, young men from a different culture that they may or may not be able mm-hmm. to relate to. And yeah. so... Weren't prepared to, uh, to, to train, per prepared. se, as they received their degrees. Correct. Right. Particularly when we're talking about inner-city youth mm-hmm. who are experiencing significant traumas. We talk about the oppression, right? Mm-hmm. Systemic oppression, mm-hmm. generational poverty, mm-hmm. all of these that we have to overcome mm-hmm. create stress. Mm-hmm. And that stress is, is, uh, plays out in behavior mm-hmm. because we cannot get to the intellectual 
piece, just from a neuroscience perspective, mm-hmm. we're unable to really think consciously if we are in continual and perpetual states right. of stress. And so sometimes that this behavior is misperceived or misunderstood by those who are in positions of supervi- supervisory positions and leadership roles. Mm-hmm. It's looked at as aggression. It's mm-hmm. looked at as um, uh, violence or defiance mm-hmm. when it's a biological process. That's a, that's a that's big deal. Out. Because if, 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 I believe, if, if I'm understanding you correctly, if, if we only uh, see behavioral problems as a defect in the child, then we will we will see we will treat the child as only defective and not not extraordinary exactly. or phenomenal still having the phenomenal mind and so that 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 is very important why why isn't there more of this taught to the to the educator coming up today if these are realities it's coming around now the research okay. is very clear on it okay. it reminds me of the and what you just said reminds me of the movie trading places with eddie murphy oh yeah it really is about the environment mm-hmm. that that children are put in that is is either going to create success or mm-hmm. or not and so we have to be very mindful and strategic about creating the kinds of environments that will offset the traumas and the stresses and the mm-hmm. adverse childhood experiences that students are coming to the schoolhouse mm-hmm. with. Um, and if we don't do that, then we're spinning in our we're spinning our wheels. Is 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 have you have you stepped into a a, a come alongside uh, genre in in having this discussion? Or pointing it the way you are, which is called restorative justice. Are you familiar with that? Yes, sir. Uh, and and some because it sounds like some of what you're saying uh, kind of is, is in line with that. Uh, restorative justice, as you know, I'm just talking to the audience, uh, does a lot of what you do. It considers behaviors not from uh, the standpoint of what we can do to eradicate the person displaying the behavior, but instead it seeks a way to continue to integrate. What, uh, this person just just being cognizant of their behavior and to keep to put them in a, put them in a position to be restored to class. Yes. It it doesn't benefit any of us. We have to kick a kid out of school. Right. Uh, life is not better uh, in, a, in a broader sense. Let me say this, Mister Eli. Um, you know this principle is played out in the prison system, for example. Uh, if 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 incarceration. You know, we have a conversation going on in our city right now as to whether or not longer prison sentences for African-American males or youth in general, uh, longer pri- or offenders, uh, if longer print- prison sentences were the answer, since America has so many of its of African-American youth incarcerated and, and, and so many people in prison, we should have no crime. Right. So then we know that just eradicating people from a society cannot be the answer. Uh, well, and we also know that longer prison terms is not necessarily to eradicate crime. It has to do with mass incarceration right. and the dollars that come sure. uh, to those who are investors of that. I just thought I would put that in there for those who say that uh, longer prison sentences would help. It would help the pockets of the investors. It, uh, clearly, more prison time is not the answer because we, we got enough people in prison to have no crime, if that's the case. So, so um, you've dispelled a, a myth. So, listen, what... What what steps can we begin to take uh, to understand our African American males, our youth better? We, you just explain they're not inherently more aggressive than other kids. What what steps? And in fact, I know you're getting some tremendous results at your school. 
uh, with with behavioral changes, uh, uh, and 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 then therefore more class time. Right. For the uh, young men, what are you doing? Th- through processes like you just described with restorative practice, that is one okay. of uh, uh, staples mm-hmm. at Ignite Achievement Academy at the historic Elder Diggs School. <laughs> Uh, it, it is one of those one of those staples that mm-hmm. we have because it also teaches empathy, and right. we we're, want to get down to we see the fruit, right? The mm-hmm. fruit is what we outwardly and openly see, right. but we want to get down to the root and the source of behaviors. And so, when we go through a restorative practice or, or, or a restorative circle, when when something has happened that has offended or impacted the community negatively, mm-hmm. and we talk that out, right? We are able to oftentimes get through the to the to the source of the issue mm-hmm. as well we're able to teach empathy mm-hmm. we're able to teach a proper uh, uh, conflict resolution skill right. sets this is socializing our students and that's important that is it's one thing that's missing, I think, in, in a lot of a lot of spaces. We just say, okay, you did this, you're out mm-hmm. and that doesn't help the child right. it doesn't help there are no learning experiences. Every situation that happens in a school is a learning experience. And so having conversations like this, I think, will start to lay the, 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 the set the table so that mm-hmm. we can gather as researchers. And I think it's also very important that we don't just dialogue, mm-hmm. but we look at the scholarly research that's out there because mm-hmm. it corroborates what we're saying. Right. The issue with that is that typically scholarly research is seven or the the effect of scholarly research is a 17 year lag mm-hmm. so the research that is out right now right. will not likely be instituted into the community for another 15 years or so that is right and so we have to bring this information to the table and so that's one of the reasons why I love moves with matter because it is it is also scholarly well i i i appreciate that i really do and you you talked about that 17 year lag it is so true when i was working on my dissertation i was dumbfounded when one of my dissertation uh committee members told me now you do know that the research you're doing now and the literature you've used will probably not even become celebrated or even understood as something to implement for 17 years Mm -hmm. and i was like and i'm doing this now that's that's why we do the research you know that 17 years is a big deal uh, also for this if we if we if we simply put a kid out of school if we simply do uh, don't try and seek to understand and 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 be restorative in our approach in all of our innovation, then what what are we doing? We're sending them back to food deserts. Often, we're sending them back to environments that that have negatively uh, uh, affected them and ill prepared them for school. Yes. We're sending them back to poor esteem uh, situations often, and that's not always the case. Uh, but sometimes we are. I want I want to make this point too, Mr. Uh, 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 Eli, that I don't believe this this show is not uh, designed to point to the notion that all African American males are troubled or or disenfranchised because they're not. That there is a great uh, uh, maybe majority mm-hmm. of our African American males which are exceeding expectations, which are. Uh, um, doing tremendous things, graduating schools early, uh, embracing new concepts, responding to the innovations, such innovations as you have, and so we want to make sure that there, there, that we understand that there is the gifted, there is a a mid range, and there is a a a, a disadvantaged African American 
a young man that could be it's very well disadvantaged uh, because of oper- lack of ex- exposure to concepts that you're talking about. How do you do? How do you deal with all three sets? How do you deal with the extraordinary, the 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 uh, the mid-ranged uh, uh, young man, and uh, the uh, disadvantaged young man? I think it all comes down to the environment. The environment should support all young men, mm-hmm. and of course, so a lot of the correction you're saying is cultural, and you don't necessarily mean cultural in the city. You mean you mean the environment in which you're developing them. I mean both because both. There, okay. there there is a a the, the component that I talked about with um, the food desert. You you mentioned mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the food desert and the generational poverty that are in uh, communities like the one that I've. In Indianapolis, Indianapolis, one of the largest in the in the country, the the food desert piece, the generational poverty there, racism exists, Mm -hmm. and there is an effect of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The systemic oppression Mm -hmm. and uh, suppression and depression; these these are intentionally done, Mm -hmm. and so we have to overcome that, and we have. And so, you're correct. In all of those groups, there is a resilience that. I see and it's have seen there. and have also been a part of mm-hmm. uh, that that speaks to our potential, mm-hmm. but we still have to address these systemic issues to um, to speed along this process. The goal is that everyone self actualize. If you look mm-hmm. at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which mm-hmm. is also part of my my research, the pinnacle of that is self actualization. So, what does it mean to be able to self actualize? Right. We all have a reason why we were created, why we were born. Right. We have a specific uh, assignment. One of my favorite quotes says that the purpose of life is to discover your assignment and, and what your unique talents and gifts are. Mm-hmm. And the work of life is to develop those skills, develop those talents to be able to complete that assignment. Mm-hmm. And then the the, the uh, meaning of life is ultimately to give it back, to give it back to right. the community, give it back to society and, use, and be a servant. Right? That's right. And so this is uh, self-actualization. Mm-hmm. It means that I am fulfilled. I am doing what I was created to do. I am passionate about what I do. And um, and that way I am a success. That's powerful. So ultimately, it, it also also kind of says that, you're, that, that the ultimate goal of the African American male is in in relationship, or his self actualization is going to be his relationship, him refined, him developed, him pruned, mm-hmm. and and giving himself back to his community. Right. That that's his ultimate Ulti- self ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. But cannot happen. The next level under that is self esteem. Mm-hmm. How can a a person have self esteem who does not understand himself mm-hmm. or his culture? Or, um, and so it's very important that we teach cultural mm-hmm. competence, uh, mm-hmm. cult- culturally relevant pedagogy or culturally relevant instruction so mm-hmm. that our black students, particularly our black boys and black girls, mm-hmm. they see themselves reflected in the curriculum. They mm-hmm. understand what their true history mm-hmm. is. That's when I was young, I only thought that my history was started at slavery. Mm-hmm. That That's significant because if we understand that we are civilization builders, That's right. that our culture... Yeah, university starters. University starters. Right. We, we brought Civ- mathematics right. and science and, and arts. That's right. And civ- civility That's right. to the trade, world. Trade methodology and all of that. Yes, sir. If we yeah. understand that, 
then it gives us that sense of self-esteem. That self-esteem is the window into or the door into self-actualization. Self-esteem. Building on that at the very bottom, though, are your basic needs, food, water, shelter, safety, a sense of belonging, a sense of love. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have those, then we can't get to the the pinnacle which is this to be able to self-express and to self-actualize and what we see in our schools are that art we're we're dealing with the bottom we're dealing with just children being able to be fed and to be clothed properly and And it's obstructive to some other things that you want to do because you have to have to spend so much time at the bottom of the chart dealing with the needs that they present with. In, indeed. Right. And that's why it's important for us to have other measures and methods to deal with some of the mm-hmm. behaviors, which is really just communication mm-hmm. um, uh, because those other, bo- the, the bottom of that foundational pillar that mm-hmm. Maslow's hierarchy mm-hmm. needs may not be satisfied. And so we're naive to think that a child will come to school and want to do reading, writing, and arithmetic. Starving. And they're starving. Or naked. Yes, sir. Or, or tattered clothes. Exactly. And or what having we been told something that is untrue about themselves. Precisely. And what we know is that that affects the way the not only does overcoming and having to deal with those kind of experiences mm-hmm. and that type of environment when they leave the schoolhouse or before they come to the schoolhouse, it impacts their psyche. So our neurocircuitry, every time you think a thought, it produces a chemical in the body, and that chemical makes us feel a certain way. And so now we're on a negative feedback loop, oftentimes due to the environment. So the environment ends up thinking for us. We're in a state of stress, and when you're in stress, you're not in a state of growth. Yeah. Man, that is, that's some powerful stuff. That, and that also speaks to some of the behaviors, uh, even into more mature uh, young men. They're still need is driving their their conduct because they're kind of a prisoner. They're kind of a, a prisoner to the chemicals that is being released from constantly dealing with thinking of the unmet need. Yes, sir. Listen, man, I'm gonna have to bring you back. I would love to come have back. to bring you back. I'm gonna bring you back. God bless you, man. Listen, I wanna I want to I wanna bring you back so we can get a little further into this conversation because there's so much to unpack here. Listen, uh, this has been Mr. Shaquan Eli. He's the founder of the historic Elder Diggs uh, Achievement Academy. Uh, what did your address there? Ignite Achievement Academy at the historic Elder Diggs School. We are located on one zero zero two West Twenty Fifth Street. Amen. They are, and they've got some tremendous plans and things to do. They they are uh, feeding, uh, providing for, and encouraging a whole generation of young people. Listen, I'm going to close our show out today by reminding you of something that is very important. Truth and morality do matter. There's not a person watching this show right now who is perfect, who does no wrong and does and never sins. I understand that. But we have, we, you are entitled to an expectation of people who say that they are trying to live right. If we really want to see our country be what it's supposed to be for all citizens, we need to put morality back to the forefront and remember that lying is still a sin. Listen, you've been watching the Moves That Matter uh, podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Clyde Posley, Jr. I want to tell you something, and I say this every week as we speak uh, to uh, a new generation, the principles of God. You are always making moves. Why don't you, by choice, make your moves, moves that matter? God bless you. I will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Bye-bye.